Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. Today we are going to review the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. As you saw by the title of this video, I have some opinions on it, so we'll get to that in a few. We're also going to preview the Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway in this audio format today as I am on the road. So, guys, I'm ready to talk about the race. Without further ado, let's get to it. For me, the Pennzoil 400 was a tale of the Toyotas and Chevys. The Fords, for me, didn't really show up. I was a little surprised. And if they did, they had some issues. Nevertheless, the Chevys prevailed and Alex Bowman won. For me, this was not surprising. He had, in my opinion, the strongest car out of the Hendrick Bunch. He also had the least amount of mistakes that day. So congrats to Alex Bowman. Him, along with the rest of the Hendrick Motorsports crew, raised $302,000 to help aid Ukraine relief efforts. Hendrick Motorsports pledged an initial $200,000 to the organization called Samaritan's Purse. Then they added another $102,000 for the 51 laps led by one of their drivers. So that was pretty neat for them. So congrats to that whole group. Kyle Larson came in second. We're going to talk about that second place finish for him in particular. Then in third, we had Ross Chastain. For me, I think this was a career best day for him in the Cup Series. He led multiple laps, actually came home with a stage two win, which is Trackhouse's very first stage win in the Cup Series. So a very good day for that one team, putting together a really solid race. Then in fourth place, we had Kyle Busch. I honestly don't understand how he does it. Every time he has some sort of really tricky or tough weekend, he's able to come back with a top five or top 10 finish. Got back from a lot this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes as well. But Kyle Busch with a top five finish. Rounding out the top five, though, is William Byron, who I think, in my opinion, had the second strongest car of the Hendrick Bunch. I know Larson had a strong car. He just ran into a lot of issues. Chase Elliott had a very touchy car this weekend. He just didn't race the way he wanted it to. But Byron rounding out the top five. Rounding out the top ten is Eric Almarola putting together another solid race for SHR in his team. I believe he is the only driver out of the three points paying races this season to come home with a top 10 in all of those races. So really good job from their team. Tyler Reddick fought back from a lot as well. He had to start in the rear of the field. He also had, I believe, two spins during the race, the Pennzoil 400. So good for him coming home with a top 10. Martin Truex Jr. coming home with an eighth place finish. He was in contention to win this race. He led a few laps for a little bit, then got passed by teammate Kyle Busch. Then, of course, we had that caution with a few to go. We went into NASCAR overtime, and he restarted in the middle of that top 10. So, unfortunate that he wasn't able to get a win or at least a top five, but nevertheless finished in eighth. Chase Elliott finished ninth, and tenth was Christopher Bell, who was the pole sitter for this race. Obviously, he had early issues with a tire going down and had to fight back from that, but still a top 10 finish. One of the Joe Gibbs racing drivers you will not see in the top 10 is Denny Hamlin. He actually did not finish this race by a fault of his own. He talked about it after he DNF'd from the race. He had a transaxle issue after he shifted wrong in the car. It was just a muscle memory thing for him, and he admitted to it. And that was unfortunate for that team because they actually had a really strong car that day too. And I will say for this race, no car was really super dominant at any point in the race. I would say there were strong cars that were in contention for the win, but nobody really stood out as a race-winning car, which I thought was pretty odd, but I actually really welcomed it during this race. So those were your results for the Pennzoil 400. I do have one down-the-line segment talking about major moments of this race, and this was one that was brought to my attention by James on Twitter. He believes that Larson lifted in turn four to get another HMS driver into the playoffs, and to that I say, hmm, 
Maybe James has a point. Looking at this again, James might have a point. I was pretty surprised with how quickly Larson seemed to fall off the pace going into turn four. Of course, then I, I think he might have actually backed off the gas just a little bit. He might have lifted. Then, of course, lifted and then went to the bottom of the track to guard that lane, securing himself a second place finish, guarding it from Ross Chastain, who finished third. But I will say it is a little suspicious. It looks like he did lift. I'm not in the car. I wasn't at the track. I couldn't really hear the sounds exactly of what was happening with that car. But I'm also on the fence about this because Bowman did have a really strong car on this restart. And even into turn three, you could see that Bowman was jetting out in front of Larson. So I don't really know. There could have also been outside of the track communications with Hendrick Motorsports that said, hey, if you're leading the race and you have a chance of winning, but you're already in the playoffs and your teammate is not in the playoffs, but also has a chance to win, do everything you can to get them to win. And I think when Larson went down to the bottom of the track, like I said earlier, to block Chastain, that might've been a defensive move for Bowman. Also, you know, you want to get a second place finish. You want to finish as close to P1 as you can. So don't blame Larson for doing that. But very interesting point James brought up. Let me know in the comments below what you think about this. Very curious what you all think about this move by Larson. Now it is time to talk about our above yellow line MVP of the race. Who is the guy that totally won this weekend? Now, of course, before we award the winner of this weekend, we have to award the LVP, least valuable player of the weekend. And I hate to do this, but quite honestly, for me, that guy is Ryan Blaney. Just the dude does not have luck. This was a race. I could say the same thing with Joey Logano, but this was a race for their sponsors and they both did not really perform that well. And of course, Ryan Blaney, Got wrecked out, I believe it was by Chase Briscoe, so that was a bummer there, but I want the dude to have better luck. I really do, because he has such strong cars, and I think he had a chance of actually winning this race and at least getting a top five finish, or maybe even like a top ten-ish finish. I mean, definitely a top ten, but a top five finish for his team and for the main sponsor of the event, and unfortunately could not do that. Um, for me, the guy that lost out this week is unfortunately Ryan Blaney, but the guy that won this week, the MVP of the week, for me, no doubt, as Kyle Busch. He had an entire weekend of just craziness. He crashed out and practiced pretty hefty damage to the car. They went to a backup. They put that backup car together in eight hours. It looks brand spanking new. He had issues early in the race. He had a spin. But if any driver can face that much adversity, then lead 25 laps of the race, and then come back to have a top 10 finish, it is Kyle Busch. So you guys, MVP of the week for above the line is Kyle Busch. Congratulations on winning that coveted award. As always, I like to give out honorable mentions. For me, this is no surprise, but honorable mention would be Ross Chastain. And then I have to give it to Tyler Reddick too. I mean, he fought back from an early spin and he started to the rear of the race, had a top 10 finish. So not a bad weekend for those two Chevy drivers as well. Now it is time to close out this recap of the Pennzoil 400 by rating this race above or below the yellow line. You all know how it works. Above the yellow line is where we want to be. This means this was a good race. Below it means it was a bad race. Here is where my divisive opinion happens, you guys. First, let's read your comments. You guys said on Twitter, on a Twitter poll, 68 of you responded. 45.6% of you said this was a great race. 44.1% said it was a good race, so a little divisive from you guys as well. 8.8% said it was okay, and 1.5% of you said it was a bad race. 
And I'm not sure where I fall on this scale. If there was like a fifth option that was in between good and okay, I think that's where I would fall. And I really hate to be that way. I just, here, here's my problem with this race. I just kind of got bored. The racing was better than the slinky type racing that we saw in the past few years at Las Vegas Motor Speedway where there, where there was really no passing. And if you tried to pass a guy, you were like, you just couldn't do it. And it was so frustrating. So I wasn't necessarily frustrated with that this year. And these cars are really fun to watch race. They are much harder to drive. But for me, with all of these cautions in the tire issues, for me, it killed the momentum of this race. This race for me felt like it dragged. By the end of stage one, I was ready for the race to be over. Quite honestly, it just felt extremely, extremely long. And it might have been a personal thing for me. It might have been that kind of day. But just didn't enjoy this race as much as I like to. All that said, this race is not below the yellow line, though, because there were still positives. But because I am so wishy-washy on how I feel about this race, and again, like I do with these above the yellow line ratings, I might change them in the future. Hence, last year with the Daytona 500, I gave it like, what, a 50-some percent when I first started out, and then I moved it to like a 35 by like the fifth, sixth week of the season. With this one, though, unfortunately, I have to give this race a 50%. Don't come at me in the comments. If you do, that's totally fine. That is your right. But like, I have to, (laughs) I have to give this race a 50%. I am so sorry. But with that, that is our recap of the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now it is time to look ahead to this coming week with the Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway, starting with your track facts. For Phoenix Raceway, the track length is one mile long. The race length, it is not 500 miles or 500 laps. It is actually 312 laps and 312 miles. The stage lengths, you guys, this weekend are really, really odd. Stage 1 is 60 laps, stage 2 is 125 laps, and the final stage is 187 laps. Of course, after we look at the track facts, we have to look at the driver stats, lining up the odds for these drivers, seeing how well they will fare this weekend. The last driver to win at this track, you all know it, it is Kyle Larson after he took the victory and the championship at Phoenix Raceway last year. The active driver with the most track wins here at Phoenix Raceway is Kevin Harvick with nine wins, surpasses all the other active driver in the field by quite a bit. Then the active driver with the best average track finish, no surprise there, is yet again Kevin Harvick with 8.82. The team with the most track wins is Hendrick Motorsports with what I counted 12. And finally, the track wins by manufacturer. I changed this up a little bit because I felt like the manufacturer with the most wins every week was a little bit of a boring stat. Because every week it's literally going to be Chevrolet or Ford, Toyota, since they're newer to the sport, quote-unquote, they're not going to have as many wins. So I changed it up. Here's how it looks for all three manufacturers. From what I counted from RacingReference.com, Chevrolet has 25 wins, Ford has 17, and Toyota has 7. Finally, let's look at this coming week's to watch and to worry. Instead of picking our race winners for this weekend before practice and qualifying, we're going to look at the guys that we're going to look at pretty closely this weekend and the guys that I'm pretty worried about. So let's start with the drivers that we're going to worry about this weekend. For me, those two are Larson and Harvick. For Larson personally, I'm just wondering, can he pick up from what I felt like it was a pretty unfocused weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? I mean, he got a speeding penalty on pit exit last week, a little like in the middle to the late part of the race. And his car just didn't have the consistent pace that I would have thought he would have had at Las Vegas. And he's good at Phoenix. We know that. He won the championship race and captured the title in 2021. But can he go back to back with wins at that raceway? I don't know. So I'm going to be worrying about him a little bit going into this week. 
And now we have to worry about Kevin Harvick. This is statistically his most dominant track, and he has not shown up yet this season. I'm not really sure what's happening, and I'm a little worried about that. And we know last season, at least for me, when we saw Kevin Harvick struggling at Phoenix early in the season, that was a red flag. I knew that this was going to be a little bit of an offseason because we're so used to seeing Harvick take control of Phoenix Raceway, but we just didn't see that last year, so I'm going to be a little worried watching him this weekend. Hopefully he's able to pick up the pace a little bit this weekend and is able to show some speed. Now on to my guys to watch. First one I got to talk about is Truex. He won this race last spring and had one heck of a car during the championship race last year. Finished second, of course, and he's used to finishing second in the championship races, I know, in the past few years. But he is a guy that has this track figured out, so I look to see him doing well this weekend, or at least hopefully doing well, seeing if he can lock himself into the playoffs. I also see Blaney potentially doing well this weekend. Of course, he had a pretty not-so-great-or-memorable past few races. I mean, like I said, he's had a strong car, and then he runs into bad luck. But I want to watch him this weekend to see if he can close out a race as well as he starts. So let me know your to watch and to worry in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk about all the NASCAR Cup Series news. Make sure to tune into practice qualifying and the Ruroff Mortgage 500 this weekend. Practice happens at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. And directly following practice, we have qualifying starting at 2.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Then, of course, we have race day Sunday starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Ruroff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway. So make sure to tune into those races and to tune into more content from us here at Above the Yellow Line. Make sure you follow our social media pages us here on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, underscore TaylorKitchen underscore, for race polls and updates on the latest news in NASCAR. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitch, where we do live streams most Fridays. All of this linked in the description below, but before you do that, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Above the Line, and until next time, we'll see ya.